Welcome to the Didi and Latel Show. Advice, thoughts, and stories from a married couple on cybersecurity, technology, and life in general. Now here are your hosts, Didi and Latel. Hello and welcome. I'm Latel. Hello, Didi. That's another week. Another How week. Things are going. Things are awesome. We are both in the springy shirts. I have the sharks. You have the. Flowers. The flowers. We're, we're, weather is awesome. Weather is awesome. Bruins still lost. We just got out of Shiva. Everything is awesome. Yeah. Summer is upon us. And we have a guest today. Yes, we have a guest. Welcome, Daniel. Since we coordinated our shirts, I brought my lucky, I guess, security sweater. Okay. Okay. What, what does it say, the lucky security sweater? Or it doesn't say? say? Uh, a blank canvas. Black canvas. Like everything in security. Yes. Black canvas. <laughs> Daniel, why don't you introduce yourself first? Absolutely. So I'm a per- partner in a fund called Servant Ventures. We're an early stage fund. We do enterprise investments in seed and A rounds. We back technical founders and we typically focus on things that are, we have a, a little bit of a bias towards infrastructure and that kind of presents itself towards cybersecurity, data, cloud management, DevOps. We also do applications, but everything that we do is related to enterprise, B2B and B2D. We have lead rounds. We're investing out of fund five for us. So, so we've been around for about 10 years and all of my partners have been operators and started companies in the enterprise space. And I'm the only one who's disguised as an operator, but my background is I've spent eight and a half years at Cisco. That's where I met Didi and yep. me. I've done primarily investments in corporate development, m and for the team. Initially, I was covering Israel because yeah, I'm originally from Israel, but, but then after a few years, I started covering Latin America as well. And then I moved back to the U.S. and I'm based in the Bay. And I started to focus on clouds, data centers, and uh, networking. So they got me in the last year and a half. I, I started covering networking as well. And before that, I was based in Seattle, I was in Microsoft in the Azure team, and I was a VC before that and a mediocre chip design engineer for about four or five years before that. And just like many other Israelis, I'm an 8200 grad. Basically, I was on the intelligence side in 8200, and I'm an E major, and that's where I met my wife, who is the best engineer in our household, and got three daughters, so I would, no, no expectations or anything. And I would expect to be the fifth best engineer by the time that they could. Amazing. <laughs> yes. Cool. So you're the first investor actually on a show and we're in really interesting times uh, when like you've been in investment now for a decade. So you've seen the ups and downs and turns around and, and things like, how do you explain the market right now? And like, how do you see it? What, what's ahead of us? I think. All of us wish we had a crystal ball, but give a little bit of sense of where we are at. We have a lot of people in ups listening to us yep. and people that want to start a startup. So, and all of them are asking, is it the right time to be in a startup? How should people think about it? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to take the last part first. The answer okay. is always yes for investment because <laughs> yes. it's easy and not deal with the questions of, of those decisions that are quite a, kind of like a life altering. But to your question, it's interesting. So I've been in the industry for about like 10, a little bit over 10 years. And I think in the, la- in the first 10 or the first nine, I've experienced three cycles, which is basically the 
2009 to 2011, and 2011 till 2015, 16. And then the, the hyper growth from, or the, the initial growth between 2017 and 2019. And then at Servin, which is like my last 18 months, I've experienced three waves, which is basically the end of the boom in the capital markets towards the, the end of 2021 and early 2022. The adjustment period that came out of that in 20, mid 22 until late 22. And then the boom of AI and gen AI and in particular chat GPT and, and all of the, the proxies and residuals of that. And so in a sense, you've got three different periods in 18 months that I've experienced mentioned <laughs> VC. And I was a strategic one before, but to your question, it, 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 it's hard to tell where the markets are headed at. We feel like there's a little bit of a parallel universe like, taking place specifically right now in a sense that like you've got the gen AI ecosystem, you've got everything else. Mm. And it's like becoming as overhyped as like the 21, 22 era. And like the other side of the market is where companies are kind of facing the reality of. Hey, it's, it's, it's a stiffer market. It's harder to sell. You have to think about strategic moves and how do you, how do you adjust quickly to the customer needs? And you have to stress test your, your thesis around does, does my product make sense or not? So your question, maybe that go back to the question. Yes, it's an absolutely interesting and fascinating time. The company, but you have to be very, very careful and deliberate about where you started. And why do you think you can wait? Just stress test that, that thesis as, as you move. It's really interesting because walking down the show floor at RSA conference a few weeks ago, and you could see a lot of companies just put something about generative AI or putting GPT. I guess part of it is not because of a market demand, but rather catering for the investor money that is out there. And looking at maybe if we add this to our messaging, we, we will be able to raise an, it might've been easier for us to raise the next round of funding, which I think where many of our startups these days are like many of us are towards the end of the runway, trying to elongate the runway and it's tough. We all want to raise funds. Some are in better shape, some are, and I guess. The realization that the money is there if you have AI somewhere. Yep. You're the person that killed the AI on your company's AI. I killed the AI on the domain name. Yes. Uh, like we are .security now. Yes. So I'm kind of like against the trend. We're not raising on it was an absolutely. AI trend. Gen AI. Yeah. You know, like .gen AI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. So you're saying like there is two parallels. The kind of like non-gen AI and everything else that 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 they can raise on a hype cycle. Right yeah, now. and look, I think like the intricacies and like the hidden secret in this in this universe is when you think about like the ecosystem of investors, right? All of the investors, like we all have our bosses, right? Yeah. Investors kind of like take somewhat of a maybe paternal approach to patriarch approach, maybe to their companies. We all report to our LPs. We all have to think about the next fundraise. The fundraising cycles have changed, right? And so you have to think about like the dry powder that you have in your fund. 
and, and then make adjustments and invest based on that. And so the initial adjustment that was made in the market was let's take care of our portfolio, make, make sure that that, that portfolio has suffice, suffice money to, to continue. We'll see where that, where this, this crisis ends, right? In, in, if it's, if it's a three to four year cycle, like we're all going to be in, in trouble, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, that's kind of one side of like, let's take care of our portfolio. And then let's think about like the next wave of companies that we can invest in. Everybody was on, on the fence and kind of like waiting for about six, seven, eight months, but you know, you're also paid to, to make investments and once people have seen the seeds of potentially transformational shift in, in the infrastructure that we use and the way that we interact with technology. Everybody is, is trying to make bets and it's a little bit of a gold rush, right? Into that space. And so you have that shiny object that, that you know, everybody's chasing after and people are still making some silly decisions. I don't know if you've seen like the rewrite, the article or rewrite, they, they got 170 term sheets. That's ridiculous. Ridiculous. There is no single investment company that didn't offer to yeah. chip in. Yeah. And so, and so for me, that, that means that you have to be very, very careful. And we've always been kind of preaching the discipline entrepreneurship mantra. What we did it 10 years ago, everybody was brushing it off because nobody else was telling it. And now that we're, we're talking about it, like everybody's brushing us off because everybody's talking about it. So I, I, we should have probably trademarked yeah, the, or coined like that, that disciplined entrepreneur hashtag, but, but look, it, it, it's, there is an opportunity, right? In a sense that if you're interacting with technology differently and it feels like there's a good, good sliver of chance that we will, A, you have to think through some of the investments that we, that you've already made in the application layer, for, for example, right? Some of the things that made sense pre-Gen AI make less sense now. And you have to think about the, the underlying infrastructure. And I can tell you this, like my partners and I, we're, we're combing the land for the right security for Gen AI bets. But I can tell you that, and, and Didi, you're, you're the first to tell me this. Security always follows the infrastructure and it's always a proxy. Yep. Yeah. We'll come afterwards. We talk yes. a lot about it, how those things, the transformation happens first, then security follows. follows. And unfortunately. Al- unfortunately. And also there's another interesting thing. So when you look at Gen AI, I, we can give the example of our son. So our son, our youngest son, Omri, is a greedy bastard. He would do anything for money. Very, He's 13 and yes. he wants to be rich. Yes. That's his dream. But exactly. <laughs> no, no, he doesn't care how. <laughs> yes. And so he asked Chad GPT, what can a 13 year old do to make real money? And Chad GPT basically told him, build your blog and on the blog base that put like Amazon. Referral links, links to Amazon, Amazon and different products. It gave him some valid ideas no, for what it's a 13 like year old do. It, no, it's like talking to a middle-aged man that doesn't know technology. And a lot of the conversation that I, I'm seeing with people having with Chad GPT, it's like, Talking to your dumber uncle and, and, and. Your dumber uncle will tell him to put links to Amazon? Just ask, just ask his dumb uncle. Trust me. He'll tell him to do I don't think some, his dumb uncle will tell him to do some harebrained marketing scheme. Never. Well, he will tell him to have a pizza shop. He'll tell him to have a pizza shop. That's what your brother has. You <laughs> <laughs> all. You all. So to the point, one of my challenges right now with ChatGPT is that. It looks really 
cool. But when you dive back into the content, you see that it's basically a dumber version of a person. And in the security part of the world, unfortunately, you need to be on the smarter version of the person because there's always, the, 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 the hackers are on the smarter side. And if you put your dumber uncle to deal with the smarter hackers, this is going to be a fun, a fun experience to see once the, these products it's come out. It's going to be super fun because like people, companies yes. are, they are, right? The question is like how, how security aware, how sort of compliance aware, how, how, how risk averse they are in terms of like just betting on, on these, these, these interfaces, right? Yes. Um, Implementing them. You know, you're only and you're only as strong as your weakest link and, you know, yep. your weakest link, like people wise, your, your, your crazy uncle, right? That you, that you meet Marty and you may have drunk too much. And so we'll give you the face that you're going to have to protect. So, I mean, look at ransomware, right? Like it's, yep. it's not science, but still. This works. Still huge attack vector, right? The DD and Latal show will return in a moment. The Didi and Latal Show is sponsored by ORT. In today's world, identities are the perimeter protecting the organization and are the most exploited vector by attackers. If your security teams are struggling to maintain control of identity management tools, ORT can help. ORT offers a centralized platform for discovering, monitoring, assessing, and remediating identity threats to your business. While most security platforms can take weeks or months to start identifying and remediating risks, with ORT, your security teams can get started in as little as 30 minutes and start securing the identity perimeter immediately. ORT will surface the most critical vulnerabilities and give your security teams the recommended action steps. Start your trial today at ORT.io. That's O-O-R-T dot I-O. The DD and Latal Show is sponsored by Hunters. Hunters is a SaaS platform purpose-built for security operation teams. Providing unlimited data ingestion and normalization at a predictable cost, Hunters helps SOC teams mitigate real threats faster and more reliably than SIM. Visit Hunters.ai to learn more. Actually, the thing that is on the rise, this is where I toot my horn about, I, I told you so. The, the identity attacks are just going like, especially now with the chat GPT stuff, it's so easy to fish. It's so easy to, to even pretend to be calling the, con the, the command center that chat GPT can even help you kind of call a support center and say, what are the things to do to get your MFA reset in this company? Well, you can make deep fake of your voice really yep. easy to do. Which so yeah, your, your voice signature is yep. no longer valid. So a lot of technologies are very fast becoming obsolete yep. that because voice is no longer an identification of you and not a chat bot, which just taking a sample of your voice. Which is something that I do want to complain to every support center out there. If the fraudsters can do this, can I have somebody that I can understand coherently that speaks to me? I was calling Sears and I couldn't understand anything. Oh, well, that's a good idea. Yes. Um, just... Call center with, with smart AI that can have somebody that you clean understand. Clean your voice. The clean, clean your accent. Exactly. Especially ours. Clean my accent if you don't like it. Especially, Maybe yep. you'll put a filter on our podcast. Oh, I will make, oh, I will <laughs> make the Zohan. I will do the Zohan. It's a, the best <laughs> accent ever. It's the best accent ever. 
Israeli accent. Yes. So thinking about what's next in cybersecurity. So we talked about Gen AI. Are there other things that you're excited to invest in, things you think are growing? We've been to yeah. the recent conferences. What's new? What's out there? I think it's interesting. I think like the big so like waves that we had in the last few years are kind of like, no, right? There's the cloud wave. What's still stand. It feels like we're in Gen 3, maybe 4 of that transformation. And that's a good example of like security actually followed like the platform, right? ESPN has been around forever. Now it's overtaking. The other one is, is everybody has had a way. I think we track about 30 companies in the cohort of supply chain security. And that's a big, obviously, and, and, and it's growing, but we, we, we really like that space, but we haven't made a bet in the space, except for a company called Armor Code, which is actually somewhat in the outskirts of that space, but it was going into that space. And just because when you think about AppSec, that's what you want to dominate AppSec. And so that's a big one that, that we've been tracking in the last, last year to happen. And then the other one that we're spending a lot of cycles in, and Vita, you're going to love this one. Okay. I love this. It's identity, but uh, yeah. <laughs> You think about, if you think about identity, it's, it's just a huge and growing eager, right? And there are very well-established incumbents in the space. That being said, it feels like there, there could be very interesting entry points in the market. So uh, interestingly enough, like the biggest vendors or the biggest incumbents in the space are one company that's not, not essentially a security, it's a platform company, Microsoft, right? Mm -hmm. yep. Um, and the third one is Tama Bravo. Yep. Yep. That went off and, and that bought, what, off and bought everybody. They bought Ping. They bought SailPoint. Who else did they buy? They bought SailPoint, Ping. Oh, um, Beyond Trust. Yeah. Beyond yeah. Trust. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. Yep. By the way, you're forgetting a big identity company that uh, we cannot not mention. Yes. Yes. Cisco. Cisco. Platform company that also does identity. And, yeah. and this is credit. This is... Uh, I was telling Lital this, Daniel knows this, the security business unit in Cisco is bigger than most big established security companies. People don't oh, realize how, how huge it is. I mean, between Cisco and Microsoft, you kind of like have bigger than most of the, the startup ecosystem. Yeah, yep. for sure. Yeah, yep, exactly. So oh, that, that leads... We're a billion in ARR. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So we, we, we have these conversations of like, What's the point in building a company and thinking, what's the chances of a cybersecurity company going IPO these days versus being bought by the big platform players? And I, I don't know what customer will want these days. Like we are preaching them a best of breed by, yes, go with the big guys, but also augment yourself with some innovative products. Is that still what you see from customers? Are they willing to buy best of breed, buy point solutions from smaller startups versus let's get the E5 blanket agreement with Microsoft and don't think about it at all. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's a great question. And, and to me, they're kind of, it depends on like, it depends on the, uh, the customer and it depends like there's, there's literally a very dynamic, sorry, a very interesting dynamic between stakeholders within the customers, right? If you think about like the CISO team, the, the practitioners, they're still preaching for like the best of breed. 
But if you think about like the finance side, if you think about like the CEO conversations, that the, the board conversations, right? You have to cut spend. And so a company like Palo comes in and says like, we've got seven like products. They say they are best of breed, but let's give them like, let's say that they're 80 or 90% there in terms of like best of breed in each category. And you get that for discount through a, through an enterprise contract. Right. So, so that's, that's a big exact push, not just from, from hollow, right. But also like from the management team that says we're, when does it end? Right. Like, are we going to continue to increase our, our security budget? Like even when our, our business is no longer growing as, as, as it was before. So, uh, it really depends on like the customer size, like the, the different stakeholders, but, uh, but to your question, I think companies should be realistic about like the potential outcome that they'll have. Everybody wants to IPO. Everybody wants to go and, 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 and go all out. Right. But to me right now, like this is a time for pragmatism, right? You take what the market gives you. If you have like best of breed entry into the market and you think that that's a big pain point, that there's a subset of, of customers that are willing to, to pay for it. Yes, absolutely. Go for that. And then play it over time. I think like a, a, a good example for me is if you think about like a Netscope, right? It started off as something that's completely different from where it's at right now. Yeah. And they have to make the adjustment. I, I, I personally thought like when there was consolidation in Casby, like where would Netscope like end up going, right? And they had, they had struggles and now they've raised like more depth, right? I don't know when they'll IPO, but like they, they are at a, at a, at least a size where you know, it, it, it may be doable, right? And so you have to make those adjustments and take what the market gives you right now. Yeah. I was shocked whether last Cosby to stay there as an independent company and not when other long got bought, other cloud got, lock. Yeah. That was an interesting yep. thing. I, I feel like it happened in the saw market too. And now we see saw. 2.0, right? All the soul players were bought by The Sims. There was the Misto, Phantom. All of them got bought. And now you get a new round when you have times and talk and kind of like next gen. And it's the question, like, do people want to buy a separate orchestration tool versus get the whole thing as one big Sim plus orchestration? I'm in this market, so I know. I tend to talk a lot about that. Really interesting dynamic. I, I think we'll see a lot of consolidations. Yeah, I, I, I think there's going to be a consolidation in the market for sure. Yeah, I think only yesterday it was published. There are rumors, right, that Laminar is going to get acquired. So we don't know for certain, obviously, papers. But like, that's another cohort of like 25 companies, right? Some of them raise, like, at least five of them raise like more than 50 million each. And if... The, the first vendor, the, so the leader, one of the leaders gets acquired for 250, allegedly, I, I guess that's what ad, what's advertised. That, that kind of a, puts the others in a very, I guess, interesting position. You, uh, you're going to, you're going to see some, some pretty, you know, pretty damning stories, pretty, pretty bad stories in the sense that there's that, that musical cheer game is just very tough. You have yep. 25, how many of them are going to get acquired? Acquisitions, like finding the right asset, like right cultural fit, right price, right it, right. It's like putting that, that product into your machine is just tough. So how many of those are actually going to happen? Like how many of those are going to just going to be fire sales and some, some may not be even fire sales, right? So, so it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. 
there's going to be consolidation. But Do you think VCs need to be more realistic about the 5X magic number and, and especially if they want to recover some of their investments or? I think VCs are, are a lot more pragmatic than, than, than you think. I think that in, in a sense, there's a little bit. Of- I, I think they're very pragmatic. Trust me. I have, I have a very enlightened version of, of this. Thanks to our buddy, Sean. No, you got, you guys have wonderful investors, by the way. Yeah. Both, both companies, both hunters and, and, and obviously Wart, friends with Greg and, and Sean and, and, yep. and with the wild crew and, and Cisco. So, so VCs are very pragmatic. There's a little bit of a, of a, of an overshoot towards like one direction versus the other. Mm-hmm. But look, I think, I think the, the nature, the human nature is, is optimistic, right? Yep. And to some degree it, it that gets exacerbated, maybe amplified when you're an entrepreneur, when you're a founder of a company to baby and, and, and you think about the outcome that you want for that, for that baby. So some of, some of like the entrepreneurs are, are easier to convince than others. I think like some will hit the wall and try to run through it, some will hit the wall and may not be to run through it. And some will just decide, okay, then we'll do this for the next three years. This is a good hope for us and we'll go on to the next one or maybe we'll go executives and the CEO of the acquiring company that happened. Yep. Yep. Speaking of Cisco, if I remember correctly, Tom came from Ironport. Yeah. And like, do you remember like Ulovich? Like yes. He yep. Opened DNS and had like headed security practice as well. So, yep. I mean, for the big companies, the talent game, I think is one of the reasons to acquire. It's not just the technology you acquire at least for. Absolutely. Couple of years, you acquire good talent, and sometimes that's game changer for them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that like there's a, and and I don't think a lot of people like talk about this enough, but it's interesting when you acquire a company, like you can only take care of like the execs, the key people for maybe three or maybe four years, like I had best. After that, like they become part of the company. And, and yet like those are brilliant founders, right? And they're used to a certain set of like compensation that you can no longer like, I mean, you just have to start adjust to like everybody else in the company. So what do you do with that talent? Right. But like, you've got, if that talent is all in and is committed for the next three to four years, it's probably leaps and bounds above what you have in your group. So if you think about like a DD, like Mohit in, 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 in thousand eyes, like his business. But he's taken on like a lot more, like a lot more R&R and leadership across like areas that are beyond like his business. Yep. And that's a great outcome. You want that to happen. You, you buy a company partially because of the DNA and not just because of the tech, but also because they did something right. Yep. And you want a piece of that, that spark to rub in on your company. So, so that makes total sense. Thank you. Cool. I think we're running towards the end. We have uh, so a little game. To we have play. the game to play. So let's go for producer it. Producer Dave, let's go for our game. And now Lital and Didi present Prove You're Not a Robot. Three final authenticating questions for our guest. So, Daniel. If you are a cybersecurity superhero, what would be your name and who would play you in the Hollywood movie to follow? That would probably be a good one. 
Yeah. I, I hate to say Aquasec because there's already pumped it. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. There is Aquasec. Yes. Friends. Yes. Amir Jerby and I know each other for almost 30 years. Company. But, but probably the equivalent of Aquaman is security worm. <laughs> yes. And who would be the actor? So probably a combination of Jason Momoa and Paul Rudd, because you want to have the comedic element, but also you want to be a superhero, right? And I think yeah. that, that's the actor that creates superhero best. So Nice. Nice. What's your favorite waste of time on the internet? Oh, I, I, I love listening to podcasts. My two favorite ones right now are Fly on the Wall and Smartless, and both are comedic in nature. It is just wonderful experiences related to either SNL and or just actors that are super funny and enter really funny situations. So it's, it, it just clears my mind to hear those stories. Nice. I'm going to check Smartless. Well, the- yes. Well, Lital is a big podcast oh. fan. We have our own favorite at home, which is No Stupid Questions. I, I, I have a thing for Angela Duckworth. Hopefully she'll listen to our podcast. And... We love Angela Duckworth. Yes. And the pre-economics yes. in general. Yep. It's a good one. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And last but not least, what was your first computer? Oh, wow. My God. I think <laughs> I remember, but it was in the 90s. I yeah. were really well. Can't say like which one it was, but I remember like the celebratory nature of like receiving a computer. And it's funny, like we had a computer in our basement. Uh, yeah. it, was, it was like, that was a setup for like, literally my, my parents still live in that house and that setup is still there, but uh, it became like this shrine. Like we all went and played games, basically Prince of Arabian and all these like games when we were growing up, right? Right after school. Yeah. But uh, I, I remember. Like what I remember the best, and it's not, not the computer itself, but it's the experience of like walking down the stairs or running down the stairs with a computer. And the other thing that I remember, like, it's like, yeah, but it, it, my brother's already there and he already yeah. like, he's like, set up shop there and, and you can get out with him. But, but uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it just changed everything. Come, come cool. to think of it. Cool. Cool. Daniel, thank you very much for coming. It was Nicole, a pleasure having you with us. Thank you so much. So this was the Didi and Lital show. Thanks for joining us. We're here weekly. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. Until the next time, have a great one. See you. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you.